hoy, Noiros! Welcome to another week, another Audible edition. We're keeping the cameras off for you, but not for us, not for the boys. The Allen lads in the room here. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to get right to it. We got, of course, Inspector Daniel over here. I feel like we're over in uh, Britain this time, so in Vienna, rather. So we might as well get a little classier. Yeah. And, and we can keep that going with we got a friend of Harry Lyme and a friend of the show. Our third man, everybody. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> John Messino. <laughs> oh, yeah, that had Thank to be both. done. Yeah. Welcome I, to the show. Waiting. You know, a lot of people want to know, what do you guys talk about before the show? Do you get right to it? What do you do? And uh, it was all swamp boats and jet skis, I would say. Uh, we just did like a half hour on Police Academy and it was great. It could have been an episode in itself. Next time. It just might be. April Someday. Fools is a coming. We'll figure out something for it. The noir, the noir uh, aesthetic of the Police Academy series. <laughs> if any three people could uh, argue it, welcome yeah, to the show. Probably. Thank you guys for having me again. Uh, I've, I've been waiting for this one. I, can, can I at least start by saying this? I never realized this until just watching it again. That this might be in like my top 10 movies of all time in the history of movies. I think so. It wow. might be. It's quite good. We'll start off bold there. I say let's start off bold. I say let's just start this sucker off. I have all my little tabs open with text and they are so long. So there is a lot to cover. Just trivia alone could be a podcast in itself. There's lots to talk about. But uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We got we're three strong. We brought John back. So a, a huge celebrity after his last appearance on Night of the Hunter. And everybody's been waiting because we hinted at this movie that it was going to be coming. It came up naturally. And here we are, episode 59, The Third Man, released September 1st, 1949, directed by old Carol Reed from a screenplay by Graham Greene, produced by Reed, Alexander Korda, and David O. Selznick, cinematography from Robert Krasker, gotta shout him out, and music by Anton Karaz, also needs shouting out. Uh, this is this is one of the big ones. We're, we're in big territory here. We're, we're three Tom Hanks here, ready to get into it. If only I brought my zither. Um, I did not, sadly. Have either of you as musicians played a zither? Do you do you actually have a zither, I should hope? Are you just cracking wise? No, I not me. I, I, I have never played a zither. Um, have you seen a zither? I've, I've pl- tried to attempt a slide guitar once in my life, so that's as close as I got. How'd you feel about that? What'd it you slide with? Was it an official slide? You get out the old shot glass? Oh, no, it was not. Uh, but that would have been a little more uh, on brand, right? People exactly. do the bottle sometimes, right? I've seen some bottles. Yeah. What are some other good slides, Dan? I mean, I have an actual glass slide. Okay, um, professional. That's probably what I, if I had one, I, if I had it. Why I, fuck around? You're use. doing it right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Dan comes correct. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's a real glass slide of a show. This thing is is perfect, airtight. No amateurs here. These are all professionals at the top of their game. And that's us as well. What movie are we doing? We're doing the third band, sir. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned it. That's why I said it. <laughs> we uh, we were a bit playing coy, but yes, it, it's the third man, third man, third man. Much like a candy man, we've conjured him. We're here. We're in post-war Vienna. We're going to start with a, a whimsical voiceover. Puts you in a good mood, you know? Usually these things, you start off kind of dour, but you really are just like, all right, let's, let's cart on off to distant post-war Vienna. This is occupied by four ally forces at the time, and things are just in in a weird state. You know, there's a lot of crime going on, criminal medications, as we'll find out. It's a black market, and 
who arrives but old Holly Martins. This is an American writer. He's played by another friend of the show, Joseph Cotton. And he's, he's there to visit his old friend, Harry Lyme. He's, he's offering him up a job because, of course, this American writer, he's a pulp writer. We get to see his book a couple of times. He writes Westerns and, you know, nothing, nothing too classy, but enough to get you, you know, doing talks, <laughs> get invited. to. Kid. Yeah, exactly. Nice little book he's holding and everything. And yeah, he's, he's off to, to see Harry Lyme, but Harry Lyme is dead, we find out. Once he gets to his apartment, the porter there tells him that he was run over and killed by the car uh the porter played by paul horbiger who fun fact knew no english and had to memorize all of his lines so like yeah that's some good acting on his part but perfect perfectly cast for that role when you first see him with all of that sort of like broken english when um holly the joseph cotton is sort of saying i'm looking for my friend harry lime and the porter is is very jovial oh yes yes he's uh you know like how you say um uh, he's dead yeah. <laughs> in heaven. Uh, he, he, oh no, he says you just left, or he just left. You know, in a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he was a great. That was a great role, the porter. No small roles in this one, and so uh, with this news, Holly just heads right to the cemetery and happens to catch this funeral already in progress. So good timing. I mean, he must have just caught word from his friend that all was well and to head on over. And then suddenly this guy is dead and then we're just, we're in a mystery right off the bat. Another funeral. Funerals are fun. We're, we're getting a lot of these lately, it seems like. Um, a lot, yeah, of, um, a lot of cocked eyebrows at that funeral. And as we'll see throughout the entire city of Vienna, everybody except for Joseph Cotton and who will soon meet, Anna, everybody's got their eyebrows cocked everywhere. <laughs> Side eye glances, the entire city of Vienna, except for our, our new uh, main character couple of sore thumbs, you know, they're, they're sticking right out. And so Holly leaves the gravesite and Major Calloway approaches him and he says, you know, come with me. Let's come get a drink. I'll give you a ride. And let me tell you about your friend, Harry. He is a scumbag. Uh, he's taking penicillin and, and watering it down and people are, are dying as a result of it. Allegedly. Allegedly at this point in the uh, in the story, right? Yes. I, mean, I think we still some, trust in our friends. That. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, of course, uh, Holly, he's just like, you know, I don't believe you. This is my friend. I'm going to I'm going to do a little detective work. I'm going to make this a film noir. It's not just the shadows, everybody. It's the investigation. So this is it. This is the movie. We're looking into what's going on with old Harry Lyme and how'd he die? What happened? Was he a scumbag? Was he watering down penicillin? Much needed penicillin. How long have we had penicillin at this point? Still pretty fresh, right? It's a good question. This is that was 40, a 20th century invention, right? I thought it was before that. Was it late 19th, maybe? Yeah, let me see. We are post-war in this. And... Fun fun fact, I used to take penicillin every day for a long time. Oh, wow. Did you like it? Um, no. Did they I mean, flavored? No. Um, why does it say the... Discovered 1928. Okay. So, so yeah. Pr- so pretty new. Especially, yeah. you know... These things get invented and it takes a while to become global. I mean, mm-hmm. we're watching it with vaccines ourselves right now. And mm-hmm. It takes a minute to get there. We finally get this stuff and maybe, you know, maybe it's getting watered down. Maybe evil is afoot. That's not good. So let's look into this. Holly heads back to his hotel and he gets approached by Crabbin, <laughs> which is a fun name. It's the head of the Cultural Institute. He sees that he's a writer and he thinks that like, you know, he's way better than he actually is. Maybe not just cowboy pulp novelist. And he's like, 
come stay here. You, you'll speak at one of our meetings and I'll pay for everything because Holly at this point is just like, I'm heading back. I'm broke. My friend's dead. I'd like to prove it wrong, but also I got a train leaving. So looks like he's going to stay. He's going to stay for the prestige. Everyone loves giving talks. I mean, that's what we're doing here right now. We're giving a lecture on the third man. And clearly we are experts. I mean, we know about and, penicillin. And that character. So Crabbin, right? That's his name. The, um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the guy who, who runs the book talks, the, the, he's the, the cultural center. He might be the most British Brit that has ever Brit. Um, and I think I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty sure that's Colonel Pickering from My Fair Lady. Oh, like he's like the the right hand man of Professor Henry Higgins. So that's Wilfred Hyde White. Yeah, he's been in so many. He's so British, like the most British Brit. He spells Um, Wilfred R I D's, which is British as well. You're correct. That that is that is him. And I also want to add that. So he got pulled into it. He actually didn't know who he was. Like the character didn't know who he was. It it actually it was Sergeant Payne. Yeah, played by. Bernard Lee, aka M, from all the James Bond movies later on, or many of them. A lot of lot of James Bond's connections with this one. Yes, um, but yeah, so he he recognized him because he said he's oh I'm such a big fan of yours, and then he says oh like look at this writer as he's coming in to the the lobby. He's like oh I don't what's he done? Like didn't know much about him. He's like oh he's a writer, and then he goes up and talks. He kind of like he kind of like tries to like nudge him, Crabbin into into him in a way. Yeah, later on, too, like Crabbin is like, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm getting copies of your books. I've heard they're yeah. good, you know. Making it up, yeah. yeah. Payne, by the way, easily a fan favorite character of this movie, right? I mean, he's pretty great comic relief in everything he does. Yes. Sergeant Payne. No pain from Payne. <laughs> Holly then receives a call from Baron Kurtz. He says he's a friend of Harry Lyme. Oh, interesting. I've never heard that before. And uh, he says, why don't you come meet me at a cafe, as we say on the podcast? Mm-hmm. We, we've learned that's the proper way to say it he gets a little bit into what happened to harry he, he says who was present his romanian friend was there and there was also you know of course this woman at the funeral who we saw earlier that we're trying to find out more about who is anna of course who is harry's girlfriend and she's also an actress at a local theater and i don't believe had he i don't think we know about the third man just yet right no okay no two men i think kurtz kurt says two yeah Kurtz, what a great, like, classic slime ball, slimy, sort of Peter Laurie-esque, Igor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everything he's wearing, that fur collar. He has a dog that he's, yeah. his little chihuahua that he's petting or whatever. Well, I'm not sure what dog type of dog. But it's a very just tiny a great dog. little snide slime ball <laughs> classic film noir character. If you're petting something, usually you're not a good person. Which no. is ironic because in life, you are a good person if you're petting animals, so... The old switch. I feel like room. I have con- contempt in my voice when I was talking about him, but that's that's all. Um, th- that's that's there because he does that slime ball character so well. So I feel like you started is, complimenting him, so you were able to yeah. be like, "Yes, I love this slime ball, this piece of shit." God bless him. Now he does a great job, and also his dog was very well behaved. I remember noticing that. Right. Be like, you know, just, it was just chilling, very comfortable. Maybe this this guy's not so bad after all. But we're gonna head to this theater. You know, you see a fun little performance. And Holly is even like shows up like backstage to just <laughs> kind of slip in and be like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, you know, Harry Lyme. And yeah. uh, she's like, you know, come afterwards, man. Like, we'll talk. Like, yeah, I thought it was the I'm end of the play. He came like like during between acts, I guess. Or Yeah. I mean, as far as that goes, good timing. But other than that, you know, just wait out for a second. You'll, you'll find him. Throw some flowers at her with a note. That's all. But 
it's all as well, comes back later and gets a little more information. We find out, of course, about Dr. Winkle, who was Harry's personal physician. You mean Winkle? Yes, Winkle. Pardon me. <laughs> the German in me should know better. Yeah. He... I also do it because they, they, they say that multiple times because oh. Con- Joseph Kahn does the same thing. <laughs> they correct him. So there we go. But Dr. Winkle? Winkle. <laughs> Dr. Winkle. On brand, yeah. Um, so yes, he is involved. And um, the man behind the wheel during this accident wasn't Harry. It was actually Harry's driver. Anna doesn't think that Harry, you know, Harry's death was accidental. She seems to think that something's going on which earns her the side eye of everyone, of course. More and, side uh, More side eye. <laughs> and so they're going to head over to Harry's apartment. They want to question our old friend, the porter, and see if we could find out a little bit more. What we find out is that actually Harry was killed instantly. And that, yes, of course, here's our when we find out that a third man was there. We don't know anything about him, but he was present and he helped carry Harry's body. Is this the first... Uh saying of the title so far right there was a third man yes and there is even yeah. once where they say the third man yeah which and also important. like it, it 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 definitely draws you in when you're kind of hearing these bits and pieces as as joseph cotton is but also like the scenario seems so ridiculous like literally he's like walking across the street and there's like traffic <laughs> and to meet like a friend and then his d- own driver runs him over like it just it just seems like like what like, like I mean he's incredulous too but it's also just like what is like what is this like what like something definitely seems weird uh, about this whole thing and obviously that helps drive the plot but I just it's fascinating it's a fascinating yes if you just uh, heard that story of just yeah, like you'd like, <laughs> be like okay what hmm. I guess that's a little suspicious let's look into that they're hoping it's so bizarre that you just move on but mm-hmm. that's why you have friends to look into your unexplained death. I hope you guys will do the same for me at some point. And this will be the sound bite they use when you're like, hey, that was weird when that happened. <laughs> so, yes, there's a third man, everybody. We're going back to Anna's apartment now. And there we see Calloway. And there's also the international police force. They're searching her room. They take her passport because, you know, they're holding up to the light. They think it's forged and they're good at what they do because, boy, if it isn't. they So they take her to the police station and they're trying the international to find police state. That's right. Is this, is this this isn't the beginning of Interpol, right? Or maybe it is. Could um, be. But but I, I actually I th- it was a little bit of a history lesson for me that Vienna, like some of the other um, post-war European areas, like they really had four exact you know seats of policing: the American, the Russian, the French. Everybody sharing it, yeah. And the, yeah, and and it just was so funny that like they were all working together, but not really working together. I mean, um, we'll yeah, get into I, it too, I had but to learn about that. Even the making of this movie, like they had to get permission from all four right. of those territories to even get this thing started. So it, it was Indiana, yeah. very much a thing at the time. Yeah, no, I mean, there's lots of history here. You know, you could go down a third man rabbit hole, and <laughs> I did my best for later. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll get into it. it <laughs> sure. It's it's a dense one of, of facts, but yes. So the police, they want to know about uh, Joseph Harbin, who worked for the military hospital, who recently disappeared. Definitely a lot of stuff going on with this hospital and, you know, people not doing so hot there in post-war Vienna. They let Anna go after this and they go to a nightclub. There we're joined by Kurtz and Popescu. Popescu. Thank you. This is where we talk more about the third man enjoy themselves a nice little nightclub. And the next evening, Holly and Anna, they go to talk to the porter again. 
But now we find out that the porter has been murdered, that some neighbors tell him that, yeah, the porter didn't make it. And there is a, there is a scene, right, of the porter in Harry's apartment, and he, he turns from the window and looks, right, looks at somebody yeah. before we find him dead, right? That was something I didn't remember from the many times I've seen it before. But It happens quick, yeah. Him, yeah, we see him before he's found dead. That's right. He's, he sees I think something. it might be his. I think it might be his own apartment. The, the his apartment. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's because it, it's the one out looking, and he turns around, and then yes, the next scene is you don't know who you know who potentially killed him. The next scene is you see the crowd I think it's that outside. Third man. Yeah, <laughs> could be or a fourth. That man. would be my whoa, suspect. Whoa, there could be a fourth man. Of course, the uh, the rest of the entire city of Vienna have their own suspicions on who killed the porter. Yeah, Jacques. Yes, because there's a. Uh... There was a child before who was at this apartment with the porter, and he saw Holly. And so, yes, he, he jacuzzes oh, Holly. Oh, that kid. But he sees him. Yeah, just a <laughs> little classic little shit. Just kicking around a ball. Yeah, fun little bits with him. But yeah, so then the town is like, this is him. I think it's, we got to follow him. We're going to believe this kid saw him. And it's great, too, because everyone is, you know, speaking in, in the foreign language. And he's just like, I, I don't know what's going on. And it's like, no, they're about to turn on you. You need to yeah. run. And then they dock into that. They get to get chased into a movie theater, which and then they split up. Right. I think that's right after that. Yes. But man, yeah. those shadows when they're running. Yeah. I mean, again, this is, is this the ultimate shadowy film noir movie? I think so. These they, shadows are unbelievable. They're great shadows and they're shadows you really haven't seen or won't really see again. Like they're yeah. they're one of a kind shadows. Well, it's it's that it, it's that. And like the camera angles with like the the kind of tilted side angles a lot. It's angles, a, it's a, yeah. Right, right. Cool. It's like it's that German expressionist, you know, that whole look throughout the entire film is just such a foreboding presence throughout I mean, the, the whole, entire the film. The whole city of Vienna, right? I mean, yes. between the everything we've talked about, the Dutch angles, the zither music that's kind of like dizzying, like you're on a tilt a whirl. Right. Um, we'll talk about cuckoo clocks later, <laughs> all the shifty <laughs> Ferris wheel. Eyes. Yes. Yeah, right. So the whole city of Vienna, but um, yeah, the shadows. I mean, that sequence right there of them, the two of them running away from, again, what seems like the entire city of Vienna. And then the um, something I think they had never been seen up to that point in to that way, other than maybe Citizen Kane. But then also that little, um, when uh, Holly gets picked up, we talked about earlier, uh, or maybe the, this hasn't happened yet. No, this hasn't happened. It's coming next. When he gets picked up to go to the... the um, to the, the book reading and he's yes, in a, this is he literally picked the up in a taxi. Yep. Yep. Right. Those two things are like, might be one of the first like big, like fast car action scenes. I don't know. It's, he's almost running over a million people as he's going through. I mean, it's very high paced way that they film that. But those two scenes, like, I feel like up until that point in the late forties, it hadn't been done that way before. I know that you both will have many examples of noir that had happened <laughs> pre 49 that these examples came, but. In my mind, I think the, the, they were two of the best um, sort of action scenes before we get to the big stuff at the end. Well, how when did Citizen Kane come out? Because, I mean, I know definitely 41. One? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, I mean, a lot by this time, a lot of like the angles and, and the revolutionary yeah. camera techniques had made its way down. But I mean, I don't know how much of that had made it to film noir yet. I mean, I can't I think, think of anything that has Dutch angles. Yeah. That's for sure. I think you see a lot of the, the only thing I could I could say about like getting back to like the fast car chases. I think of like the gangster films of like pre-code sure. era, sure. Like, but, but they, they depict it more from the outside. So you're seeing just the car itself. You're not seeing the first person camera work 
inside the car and seeing Joseph Cotton get thrown around in the car. <laughs> You're not necessarily seeing that as much. So I feel like if anything, yeah, I agree that like as far as the pace of how fast and how jarring that is. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely yeah. early for that type of shot or that type of approach. So. And, and certainly Citizen Kane would be the, you know, the, the inspiration for everybody. I mean, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about Orson Welles and what he claims he did or didn't do <laughs> oh, yeah. in this movie later on. But I mean, well, you know, obviously he did not direct this Cowery direct this, but you can't deny that everything in Citizen Kane was an inspiration to pretty much everybody, you know, that followed that movie. So certainly inspired this somewhat and every film or ever after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we race through that wonderful scene. Um, and just, yeah, the uncertainness, too, when he gets in the cab, he's like, where, where am I being taken to? Like, oh, my God. And then it turns out he's at the Cultural Institute. He and, says, are uh, you going to kill me? Right. Yeah. He says that yeah. to the driver. It's so good. It's yeah. so, so good because you have no idea. Yeah, like, we don't no even idea. know either. Like, we totally forgot about this or didn't assume that this was part of it. And then, yeah, no, it's 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 time to talk. <laughs> to the just like Joseph Cotton. Yeah. He had, Holly had no idea. <laughs> yeah, so good. But this lead, this then le this then leads into not getting too far ahead. But this leads into like maybe one of my favorite scenes in the movies. Actually, uh, oddly enough, is the exchange that he has with Popescu. The the back and forth they have yeah. is is amazing. Some 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 really really excellent dialogue. Can I ask, is Mr. Martins engaged on a new book? Yes, it's called The Third Man. A novel, Mr. Martins. It's a murder story. I've just started it. It's based on fact. Why, it's Mr. Popesco. Oh, very great pleasure to see you here, Mr. Popesco. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Popesco is a very great supporter of one of our medical charities. Are you a slow writer, Mr. Martin? Not when I get interested. I'd see you were doing something pretty dangerous this time. Yeah? Mixing fact and fiction. Should I make it all fact? Why no, Mr. Martins. I'd say stick to fiction, straight fiction. I'm too far along with the book, Mr. Petesco. Haven't you ever scrapped a book, Mr. Martins? Never. Pity. It's a great scene. You wouldn't even think, like, out of everything that's in this movie, that this would be, like, the scene where you're like, oh, my God, it's so great. But it really is, like, it right. is the back and forth and the lead up to it. Yeah. The no, fi it, fiction and, and fact and, and like, all, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff back and forth is just excellent. It's so good. So wonderful. I mean, it, it's the kind of stuff that makes this movie a classic. And, yeah, so he just totally tanks his appearance at this thing. But, you know, he's got some other things on his mind. I, I understand. He also doesn't you know see, what he's uh, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know the, the topic that he's supposed to talk about he doesn't know about and there isn't it there, there uh colonel pickering i forget his his name but uh classic Brit british guy um like has his his head in his hands while while holly is talking he's like, this is not oh i'm going to be the laughing stock of the cultural society of vienna i'm ruined crapping that's why you don't vouch for anybody that's the lesson here um so yeah uh he takes off after this and holly goes to see calloway and this is where we find out more about the black market for penicillin in Vienna. And he talks about how people would increase their profits by diluting the drug. And then, of course, uh, people who need pure penicillin aren't getting it. And it's it's going bad. I mean, beyond even just not helping them, it seems to make things worse. So it's it's some pretty evil stuff. And it, it does seem to shake Holly, but he's still unsure about it. But he, Calloway says, you know, Harbin worked for Harry. They stole the penicillin from laboratories, and um, we have evidence that implicates Harry and Kurtz. So we feel pretty good racket. about this. You need to figure it out as well. And yeah, Holly is is pretty 
he's taken aback by this. He goes to Anna to tell her about it as well and says, I'm I'm going back to the US and you're a total babe. You need to know this. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah, I know. Cool. But oh, I, wait, before when he's talking to Calloway, I think that is when we get like the second best line in this movie in a movie full of like 50 greatest lines. <laughs> the uh death is at the bottom of everything. Leave Uh-oh. death to the professionals. Yeah. It's such a good line <laughs> that Holly says, can I use that in my next Western? Yeah, absolutely. So that's Calloway who says that Trevor Howard, right? Death is at the bottom of everything. Leave death to the professionals. And the bit of comic relief with uh, Sergeant Payne, Payne and them setting up the projector and, 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 you know, trying to get that whole thing going. The magic lantern like, show. I was, it's like, I was sorry. just saying like magic, magic lantern show. Yeah. <laughs> he, he like has a bunch of slides in there. He's like, Oh, sorry. I was, I was watching this on my break, you know? Yeah. It's sorry, really, this, this, Break so film just popped out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so commendable how this movie balances the tones of like humor and you know noir intrigue. Like nine times it's out of ten, funny. it never works. But yeah, you don't want this humor movie is in this, funny. But this yeah. movie yeah. is legit funny, and it doesn't hinder your enjoyment or any of the the mood at all. Like it, it, it almost relieves some of it. It's, yeah. yeah, and it has some of that that funny detective stuff that you would see later with like you know the long goodbye the altman one or even like even like shane black like buddy comedy stuff of like the 80s and the 90s just like really funny like everybody's funny i'm trying to think of like the other guys that was one he did most recently mm-hmm. where where even the bad the guys, nice guys kind of funny the nice guys yes yeah. the other guys is yeah the uh, only reason pearl. i made the distinction a little bit different yeah <laughs> the nice guys yeah with um even the even the bad guys in this have funny lines i mean literally all of the the side-eyed townspeople everybody is funny yeah even if they're not saying jokes they're it's it's funny to the audience even the music is fu- is it's it's whimsical yeah um yeah I, I really i i forgot how funny this movie is like i knew the big lines going to it but yeah it, there are a lot of moments like this particularly particularly i think with with Calloway and Payne and and Holly sort of like British versus Americans trying to solve a problem and, and butting heads. It's a great tone and I, I wonder how much of that was in it before because when this had started it was just purely going to be British British characters and so I wonder how much of that yeah. was injected it you know maybe it was like well you know because I know that um, you know Holly was Graham Greene's take on like American pulp writers because he himself is a very renowned writer as we'll get into yeah. but he was just like you know yeah these american dumb dumb pulpies like is very much you know lovingly looking down upon in a way and just yeah i wonder how much of that was like a reaction to yeah. that or if it was just a, a funny script in general the whole time really quickly speaking of that I, I in my mind i think oh well you know we have our leads our famous american actors joseph cotton and, and orson wells in this movie is when orson wells in this movie i haven't seen oh, him oh, yet. i'm sorry was that yeah. a spoiler? We'll, we'll get that but <laughs> When I first started the movie, um, again, I, you know, the first thing you see is like, this is a British film, yeah. the British Film Institute. And I kept thinking, is this really a British movie? And then as it's going on, you, you realize this is such a British movie. Yeah. Right? Like completely. And, and the, you know, the ugly Americans, the outsiders of Orson Welles and, um, and Joseph Cotton, I mean, they are the outsiders. But while this is in Vienna, this is totally a British movie. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. It's like a co-production, yes. which was sort of new at the time. But yeah, that, that that also struck me. I was like, oh, wait, is this a British movie? Yes, it is a British movie. It is, but it really is an interesting balance because there's yeah. just a lot of voices and, and, and fingers in that cookie pot that really make it cohesive. It's, it, it's yeah. None of this should work when you really think about it, and yet it works flawlessly. 
So we're going to leave Anna's apartment now. And, and Anna also has just really been insinuating. She still loves Harry. She's not really trying to flip on him, you know, even though that Holly seems to be coming around and having feelings, you know, that's nice, but it's your buddy that I'm in love with. Holly heads out, out of there, out of the apartment, and he notices a man standing in the shadows. And he's like, hey, shadowy man, why don't you go ahead and tell me who you are? And some neighbor, of course, opens the window to be like, yo, shut the fuck up. I'm Which, again, funny. That's great. Very That's, funny. It's not like this this like grand reveal. I mean, it is, but it's all because the annoying neighbor's like, shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah. Turns the light on. I'm trying to sleep. You, you see the shadows. It's clearly late, but the light falls upon the face of old Harry Lyme. And we find out we got ourselves a little Orson Welles in this movie, don't we? <laughs> this guy that's on the cover finally shows, shows his, uh, his face. Yes. I mean, you know, you see him in the credits and you got to be wondering, like, people yeah. are just like, where the hell is Orson Welles in this thing? You, you know, I, I watched the trailer, too. And, you know, how trailers reveal literally everything. I don't he's not in the trailer. Oh, wow. And I don't even think they mentioned his name in the trailer either. But he's on like post, at least his name's on the posters and stuff. Um, can we also not let's not forget the little city kitty, the little kitty cat yes. as, a, as, a, <laughs> as a cat owner myself. Let's not forget that adorable little cat that is also that's the one of the first thing I think that draws his attention to it. Right. As he hears the cat meow and the cat that's like kind of like curling up to uh, Harry Lime's foot before he's yeah. revealed. Yes, because they also say um, it was Anna's cat, right? Oh, maybe because she's like, because uh, Harry or um, Holly's in there and like, it's not a very nice cat to him. And she's like, yeah, he only really liked Harry. And that's why when the cat runs off and like lovingly goes up to him. Oh, like, that's oh right. it's my friend. Yeah, I never even put that together. Yeah, that's great. No, I, I didn't even think that of that. I think I was just so excited for Orson Welles finally showing it, up. It's not just a random <laughs> city kitty. Right. It's, yeah, no, no. It was. Oh, wow. That's right. My mind is blown right now. It is funny that one of the best reveals in cinema history, Harry Lime coming out like that from the shadow is again, going back to, it's just the neighbor turning on the light. Like it's, yeah, you yeah. think in a normal movie, you would hear like the dun, dun, dun. Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the Zither music, absence of Zither music. And then, Hey, shut up with your mouth down there. What are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> All I'm reveals sorry, should be my Italian stereotype. That, that means nothing, but yes, we could always edit it out. If it breaks your heart enough. <laughs> I think we're ready to take on the Italians, so it'll be okay. <laughs> also need to note, having a heater replaced at my place today, and uh, I, it sounds like they picked the podcast to do it, of course. So if any noises make it through, uh, sorry. So far, so sounds good. like so far so good, yeah, though. So yeah. just Hopefully I'll just edit out this part and it never happened. But You might also see. hear a, a baby crying in about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. So we... Fingers crossed we will. Well, hopefully your baby will wait for the fun facts. That's a perfect time for crying. <laughs> no pressure. So, yeah, beautiful reveal. And then, of course, you know, Harry Lime, he's going to run off. He does a little whoop, 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 and off into the shadows. And Holly goes to get Callaway. And they're like, we got to figure out where did he go? Because he's just gone. You know, we keep seeing the same scene. We keep seeing... A news kiosk that can't mean anything right but turns out nope it did mean something it was abandoned and it goes down to a main sewer fascinating sewers in vienna beyond even the scene we're going to get to like just oh, how yeah. to get into them was crazy you have to like I, unfold I say, them in threes the um the one one note here is um trevor howard and Sa calloway and sergeant Payne are pretty quick to believe holly yeah um, this guy's alive I mean, instantly He's he's always drunk in almost every scene. Um, yeah. He he obviously um, you know 
Harry is his friend and he was trying to prove him wrong until they obviously, when we just talked about the scene before, that that nice Zither music montage where they're gathering evidence to kind of show Holly that, that Harry is Harry Lyme is evil um, or up to no good. But yeah, they, they seem pretty quick to, uh, to to believe him on what so quick that we'll see in the next scene that they exhume the body of, of allegedly Harry Lyme. Just from the fact that he said, I saw Harry, a dead guy walking around. <laughs> I, I, mean, you know, hey, I have a theory a- about that. Okay, go ahead. So yes. my, my theory is that because we see the major early on a- at the funeral and he's on the outside. So he, he's hanging up against, I think it's like a tree and he's yeah. a little bit far removed. So he's kind of overseeing it. I think from that moment, I think he's a little bit doubtful. He's both doubtful and I think he really wants to bring Harry Lyme down. I think he still believes that, you know, if he has the opportunity to, to nail this guy, if he's not really dead, I, I think he, he wants to make sure absolutely that he can kind of yeah. cut this racketeering I mean, thing yeah, off. It's, it's a huge problem and it needs right. to, to stop. So so I think if, if he if he hears that Harry Lyme's like, he's like, oh, I can get this guy. Like, I think maybe maybe like in the back of his mind, maybe he's just like, if I if he actually is alive, like let's go get him. Like I want to be the guy to get him. Let's, Plus, let's like why would he pick it. it up? You know, like it's his friend. Like it just yeah. Yeah. seems so out of nowhere. And also, like you know, digging up a body that you just buried, it's not so hard, right? That's fresh soil. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, Dan. I think I think um, uh, Callaway already had his suspicions. I mean, that's why I think they're tailing Holly yeah. all this time. Is hmm, if he if Lime is still alive, he's going to you know get in contact with his friend anyway. Right. Yeah, and his friend is coming, you know, all of a sudden is just coming into town. Like, that seems like someone worth tailing. Yeah. If I were the international police or Interpol, if you will. So, yeah, we exhume this coffin and the body inside, it's not Limes. It's actually Harbin's body. So, looks like we are ready to look into this then. We got all we need. Uh, we're going to, Holly arranges a meeting with Harry at the amusement park. This is where we get the Ferris wheel. Uh, very nice scene. Um, this is where you get a nice little speech about cuckoo clocks. <laughs> the speech, yeah. The speech, yeah. The one. And yeah, I mean, this is really, uh, as far as dialogue and acting goes, I mean, this is the most oh. you're going to get from Orson Welles, and, and he makes the most of it. It's it's a great scene. I mean, door open on the on the Ferris wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he's so such one of the most suspenseful scenes in any of the any any film noir, really. But yeah, the door is open and it's the whole killing you with kindness. Maybe literally is what Joseph Cotton is thinking the whole time. Um, he already knows how bad his friend is. But just every time you you even see there are shots of Joseph Cotton. You can see his eye line. He's looking at Harry and then he looks sort of down or to the left. Like he's looking at that open door and maybe even thinking one of us might be going out there. <laughs> um, and then Harry Lyme Orson Welles closes at one point when he's like, but friend, oh please, no! I yeah, please. you can you trust me. Each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Watering down penicillin's fine. It's cool. We're all yeah. making money. Chill out, man. Like enjoy the ride. But join this, me. Yeah, we could <laughs> we could be friends. And so you know, it seems like we'll see how this is gonna land. We're gonna we're gonna meet up again at another time. Maybe you won't betray me, old friend. And it all hinges on 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 Anna, right? On Anna, she um, whether he still loves her or not, and and obviously Joseph Cotton is still concerned about her. I love that um, <laughs> that Orson Welles, Harry Lyme does a little uh, the name Anna with a heart and an, and an arrow through it. Yep. Doesn't really mean it, right? I mean, he, yeah, he's no. doing it for effect. For like, oh, my dear sweet Anna. Um, but Joseph Cotton obviously has feelings for her, or at least is 
sorry for her. Yeah, I mean, he definitely he feels bad kiss her ever, but. about the whole passport thing and everything because she's about yes. to get deported and arrested by the Russians. Like things are are definitely very bad on that front. And yeah, he. I does. love that by the way. Um, uh, when she is picked up by our favorite band, uh, Interpol, um, <laughs> she 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 like disappears into the shadow of her bedroom, like she's wearing her like nightgown or whatever her her pajamas, and then she reappears. You know, there's a little bit of a dissolve as this new woman with all her 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 full beautiful outfit on. It's kind of like the opposite of Harry Lime, who you know, or or you know, the, he he sort of depletes of the shadows and comes back out. And we know that they're star-crossed lovers, at least in her mind, they are fully connected so holly tries to he's he's gonna work this out with the police they're gonna get him and but he wants anna on board and she is just not having it she is still absolutely heart with the arrow through it in love with harry so it's not gonna work out and holly's like you know what screw this thing i'm just gonna go home i want nothing to do with it but Calloway's like come with me to the children's hospital this is gonna totally bum you out uh, <laughs> all these kids got so screwed up by watered down penicillin you know, kids are brain damaged, you know, enjoy the view. See if this does anything to your oh. American heart. And uh, it, it totally destroys him. And he's like, what is, is what is that last uh, shot of that scene in the hospital? It's like a dead teddy bear on its stomach. Oh, yeah. He, they cut to like, um, there's just like a basket full of like old toys from dead kids that they're just throwing away. And then there's just like a table with like a teddy bear, like, you know, in like a, um, a corpse pose. <laughs> on its stomach and then that's the last thing you see before it cuts to the next scene like, oh subtle teddy bear oh. very subtle yeah very so subtle. we're all on board of saying orson wells fuck that guy he's gotta go so i'm he's gonna holly's gonna go ahead and he's gonna he's gonna trick harry we're gonna capture this guy we're, we're gonna set up a sting they're waiting for harry to arrive at a cafe and holly gets joined by anna and he's like, you know, I'm going to be working with the cops on this one. And she doesn't like that. So she she lays into him and Harry arrives. All looks well. But Anna gives him a warning. And he then once again scurries off into the darkness. But this time we are into the sewer. I mean, this I mean, di- as far as no dialogue goes, this is the best of maybe all time. And we just what a, what an incredible, exciting. I mean, one of the longest very long that I could that I can think of. Oh, but it never feels too long. Like there's yeah. not a cut you could really make to it. Uh it's just it it builds and it builds and it's just between it, this scene and um like Rafifi, the heist and Rafifi. Yeah. yeah. You know, those like black and white, no dialogue, like tense action scenes. I mean, and Rafifi's, I think, after this, right? Or maybe it's 55, 50, I think. Yeah. It's definitely but 50s. Th- this scene is amazing. But right before that, I wanted to mention. When before Harry Lime goes in to sort of with the gun to kind of see Anna and and Holly, he's like, it's there's all of that scene of like the stakeout, which yeah. is so great of um of Trevor Howard of Calloway and Payne, and you, they see that old man come up with the balloons. Oh yeah, like, and he's yeah. like, get out of here, old man, get out. And he's like, one yeah. balloon, please. And they're like, fine, okay, I'll get a balloon. I almost thought that that was gonna be like a, a Inspector Clouseau, Peter Sellers. That was Harry Lime in disguise. Oh, that would have been. Nice. I mean, obviously, he wasn't. Because he shows up it. quite a bit, actually, the balloon guy. And it's actually a real, yeah. real Viennan, Viennan, right? Viennese? Venetian? Okay. But but really, what I want to say is this: the scene of Harry Lime looking down on the city, like, before he goes into the cafe to to, to see what Anna and, and Holly are planning, he's just, like, looking down. And he's like, ah, my beautiful city of ruins, you know? 
Mm -hmm. He's looking down on these, pretty much echoing his monologue from before about, you know, looking down from the Ferris wheel of all these little dots. It's like, would you really care? He's like, I don't, he honestly doesn't care about any of these people. As long as he gets away and he gets his money. Um, But I just love that scene of him standing on top. Like he's almost like one of the statues. um, I mean, at that point too, he's very much on top of the world. I mean, you know, he, he, as far as he knows, this plot of killing himself has gone quite well and can go back to the old racket. Like things are looking good for him. He's so high on top boy. And what does he have to do? (laughs) Go down under. He goes to the bottom of the barrel. Oh, and he he sinks all right. And so, yeah, we're just in the sewer and just cop after cop just keeps coming in and it is just relentless. And then, of course, Joseph Cotton is down there, too, trying to find his friend. Just so great. Harry, just, all of the police are there. The yeah. sewer police. The sewer police is a real thing. I cannot wait to get know, into the right? sewer police. Yes, yes of I course. Spoil it, but that's so awesome. <laughs> we love the sewer police. Shout out to them. The only good cops are sewer cops, we'll say. Yeah, and it's just a, a very nice, tense getaway that just keeps building and building. Every corner just seems to have cops spilling into it. Harry just tries to crawl out, make it to the to great, to the street above. You see his fingers popping out. Um, great shot. Great yep. shot. I mean, just feeling Cox like the wind, him. like feeling yeah. this is the freedom. My fingers are free. So close. The wind, You hear the wind, too. It's all quiet, right? Yeah. No zither this time during nope. the, the sewer chase. But yeah, just the, that great shot of him like feeling the wind on his fingers, feeling the freedom. So it's close. A, it's a great, great shot. Oh, so good. <laughs> um, among many. Oh, get it? You can love spell it. that out for for the audience, but I, I think they get it. Yeah, that oh. was worthy of me, Dan. I loved it. I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, yeah. And so he's dead. He gets shot dead. He doesn't make it. Now we're headed to another funeral. This time is a real funeral. Maybe you get a two for one. I don't know. Save on the headstone at least. And hey, are we going to have ourselves a nice little happy ending? You know, Holly and Anna, they're going to get together. Not so much. Uh, Anna's pretty bummed out by it. Still loves Harry. She walks down, of course, the famous, beautiful tree covered avenue. Just one of the all time great closers. Top 10 best shots in, in all of movie history. I mean, there's a lot of superlatives. When I come on your podcast, it's full of my superlatives. But yeah, but you come for the heavy the hitters, so they're all worthy, you know? That's, well, that's just it. We save you for the big guns. But that last shot, I I, I mean, again, another a, kind of like a, a final joke, right? You think in normal Hollywood movies, he's he's so Holly is right waiting for her mm-hmm. at the uh, the end of the, the cemetery gates. Shout out Pantera. Um, I think you're going to say the Smiths. The Smiths, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, Gates. I like the, the Pandera. Let's, yeah. let's, let's keep um, it there. And she's and she's walking because because he gets out, right? Um, Calloway was offering him a ride to the airport finally to get out here. And, he's, and he even says, he's like, I can't just leave. And I, I almost wonder if, does he really like her or is it just like he feels bad? I think he really I, likes her. I think we didn't re- reveal the big ending of when uh, how Harry gets caught or doesn't get caught because he um, is shot by, by his best friend. Yes. Or so we were led to believe we don't actually see. It, it. Yes. It's quite dark. Yes. Yeah. And then he's like, when he's the great, great shot, uh, he's, he's great, bleeding great. out from presumably his friend's bullet. Yes. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's no way that she is going to have a happy ending with the guy who shoots 
her 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 love of her life but that's kind of what hollywood you know happy endings sort of like dictates yeah it's a nice fake out because you know and yeah otherwise you would just end it with like okay orson welles is dead the end you, you could a, just end it there but yeah. the fact that you're going back you know to and we're doing this new funeral and the characters are back you almost expect it to be like all right it's all gonna work out somehow and like she's walking she's yeah. walking she's walking she's walking and walks right the hell by him so good. The the one of the best middle fingers of 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 early cinema. So I agree speak. with that. I have a request to the fans out there: if you guys want to put the Lonely Man from The Incredible Hulk over that scene, that would be quite good. <laughs> that would be great. Yes. Maybe I'll do the work. But I had a question about that, and I don't know if you'll get into it um, in the notes. But um, is that a matte painting? I assume it has to be. I don't Indiana. have any There's information a, about a, that. A I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know if it is like. It looks, it too looks good. like a matte painting because it looks so perfect. Yeah. But there's also so many perfect shots like that in. I mean, there's certainly matte in, in Europe in the yeah. movie. I mean, like we'll get into the sewer stuff, but there's some trickery going on there. But yeah, I don't know if, if it was it for the final scene. Taking okay. a long pause for Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking, I was looking to see if I could, if I could scroll anything up, but nothing's really. I mean, the fact that's not coming up is a good sign, right? Yeah. But I'm going to double check you know what there is i watched some of so i know we all talked about the criterion version of this there mm-hmm. is a special feature it was like a half hour documentary in austrian i believe oh, uh, hmm. it's like 50th anniversary so this was 1999 it was like a little half hour thing it was done on like austrian tv and there's a guy in a trench coat that's walking around the different locations there it's really great but it is you know, it is all in in austrian or german and um the very last shot of that little half hour documentary is him sort of walking, but I can't tell if it's he's superimposed because they have the final shot of Joseph Cotton on the left and um, Anna walking in the middle. And then he's sort of like walking on the right side of the frame. So again, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's trickery or if he's actually at the location because it's all still like sort of like in black and white. And it's also yeah. a really old shot on video in 1999. <laughs> so yeah. so they're not 4k that one for the, uh, for the move to streaming. <laughs> okay. Yes, I guess we'll never know. Did you end up streaming it last night or did you do the DVD? Yeah, so I, I, I did stream it and then um, it's one of the ones on the Criterion channel. Yeah, that's where I watched streaming it. Channel, where they have all the special features. Yeah, there was Every, like multiple commentaries and yeah. yeah great. Which is weird because uh, here's one of the fun facts we'll get into is we're in fun fact territory. Uh, they put out a Blu-ray for it and then immediately it was discontinued because they lost the rights to the movie. So anyone that has that Blu-ray out there got themselves a couple of Criterion bucks. Yeah, I have the, the we talked about this, Dan and I, Dan has the OG DVD yes. spine number 64. Mm. I have the special edition and I can't, this was 2007. I, I For the life of me, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't collecting Blu-ray a lot. That was during my transition from, from DVD to blue. So maybe I said, you know what? I don't have a Blu-ray player. I want this. I need this. Yeah, so I'll get the DVD version, but you're right. Yeah, the Blu-ray is out of print, and maybe even this version too. I right? think oh. I think the, the whole shebang. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there wasn't there a Studio Canal version? Well, that's, that's exactly they they got yeah, the okay. rights back. Um, right, they they yeah. put out their own version. Yeah, but right. I was tempted to get it, but I was like, you know what? I, I have the you know as much as I want Blu-ray upgrades. Like I just never got around to it. And the Criterion. I think that's why so many people yeah. missed out on it because it was just yeah. like it was right when that transition was happening. And at the same time, you're like, I got the third man. I've seen it. Like you know, it's not a rush out and grab it because I've seen it so many times. But then it was just gone. I don't know how quick it was, but it was it was brief. It was pretty quick. Yeah, from what I remember. 
and the streaming cl- the Criterion Channel version is looks fantastic. Gorgeous. Yeah, so, that's why it's weird because they have all their features up there. I guess maybe they were yeah. able to get like the streaming rights, and then they're like, "Well, we still have all this stuff. Put it up." So I, I quickly wanted to chime in that I was looking at the so the there is the it's like the Central Cemetery in Vienna mm-hmm. that it was shot at, and it, and it mentions that it was shot there. But I was trying to look through some of the photos to see if I could find that particular scene. I mean, yeah, that, you that, think that'd be like the Abbey Road over there? Everyone take right. recreation. I don't, I don't see it. And again, I mean, it, it could obviously be movie trickery. They could just be making up a, either a background or going to a different location to, to shoot that. So I'm just trying to see. I just feel like the fact that it's not pointed out, though, is a good sign that it, it exists and was real. Yeah. There's a note that says the cemetery is the scene of Harry Lyme's fake and real funeral at the beginning and end of the third man. That's all it says. So it doesn't necessarily. The parts of that at least were there. Go against it, but it doesn't necessarily say it for absolute certainty. So yeah, tough to, tough to say. If we find out, we'll make a note. We'll put it out there. We're dying to get to the bottom of this. Maybe we'll take a picture of the three of us there. If it's real. That'll be how we get it. Yeah. I will. Vienna loves their third man. Apparently it, it shows at the movie theaters in Vienna, like once or twice a year, there's like not a, even more, more than that festival, right? Like uh, once or twice a week, three times a week, actually, at its wow. famous Burkino wow. Theater, which is one of its yeah. oldest cinemas. Yeah, Vienna loves the third man. They they're very proud of this film. And, and how the could third you not man be? Loves Vienna. Exactly. Just one big kiss to Vienna. But as far as the making of this movie, director Carol Reed and writer Graham Greene, they had success together with 1948's The Fallen Idol with producer Alexander Korda. And they wanted to get the gang back together and try their hand at success again. So they were trying to cast it. They had Cary Grant in place as Holly. And they were trying to get uh, Noel Coward for Lime. But uh, things just didn't work out. And they brought on David Oselznick for the production, making it a co-UK-US production. And so they Americanized it a little bit. And Cary Grant ended up leaving as a result. Selznick wanted Robert Mitchum, actually, to play Lime. Uh. And uh, he was real hot at the time due to his marijuana arrest. And he thought this would bring in big box office as opposed to Carol Reed's choice for Lyme, which was Orson Welles, who Selznick said, quote, in my opinion, he would not add a dollar to gross, quote, and also called him, quote, box office poison. Um, But Mitchum would end up having to do jail time for that arrest. And Welles was in a pretty desperate position trying to fund his production of Othello. And so... Hey, we're going to take him on. It all worked out. But Selznick had no problem casting Wells' friend and frequent collaborator, Joseph Cotton. It was actually Selznick who wanted Joseph Cotton for that part. So it all worked out there. The script actually started as a novella from Graham Greene because he was mostly a novelist and this was his preferred way to write. So he could see the story better, you know, have all elements available to him if he needed them. Um, And that novella was never intended to see release. It was just a blueprint for the film. But afterwards, with the film's success, it was eventually published. Reed needed permission to film, as we were saying, in Vienna from all four of Vienna's occupying powers. But after that, the city of Vienna, like we're saying, they they loved this movie. They were quite involved and were happy to cooperate with the making of the movie. They used uh, their unit of the police department, the Swamp Police. They actually work in the sewers looking for hiding criminals, drugs, gators. I don't know, whatever you're looking for. Uh, because sewers were those sewers in particular were so perfect for crime insert your fish police joke here i'm not going to do it better men than me will will have a better time with that but 
I think I think we all just had a nice little bit of joy in our hearts as soon as it was mentioned. So yes, the true fish police. Um, and I those... remember which episode we talked about that on. It was a while back in the early days. Did. It came up yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, like yeah. multiple episodes, and then I don't know. We just we petered out. But like we said, April Fools is a coming. We'll we'll see. <laughs> Might be a marathon at this point. But um, those swamp police, they actually or uh, sewer police rather. They played those cops too, like because they needed people that knew the sewers and were willing to get in there. And so yeah, they were the cops in that final wet pursuit. I'm um, speaking I, I of will wet. say I easily I would I would pay super7.com <laughs> to put out action figures of the sewer police uh, or really oh, an entire amazing. third man line of of retro action figures. Yes, please. I think that would be great. Yeah. I'd like an Orson Welles action figure. I'll I'll say that. Much. Yeah, a full third man line. set would be great. You know, and even like the sewer police, like you just get them as a set and they all just look the same. You don't have to work I'm, that I'm thinking you get, this is how they would do it. Uh, you would get a set of the sewer police. Mm-hmm. You'd get Harry Lime with the cat. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. The little, it would come with a little cat accessory. You'd get um, Kurtz with his furry collar jacket and his little little dog. Uh, and then I guess you'd, I guess you'd have to get um, Holly. Joseph Cotton. Joseph, yeah. wait, Joseph Cotton, he has his book. That's books, his accessory. Yeah. Books. Um, then maybe you get Callaway and Payne. Maybe Callaway and Payne is a set. Yeah. And then it'd be great if there was a playset of the sewer as well. Easily, yes. Playset of the sewer, maybe the fer- the great wheel, Ferris wheel. Maybe there was a Ninja Turtles sewer set that you could repurpose, right? <laughs> I think there was. <laughs> I think there was. I, I, no, I do think there was. Yeah, you can yeah. even get out the old battle van too. I mean, just stick sure. it, stick in Harry Lime. It's the same story. <laughs> nah, that's a crossover. <laughs> Tale as old as time. But yeah, speaking of wet, those cobblestone streets, they were actually hosed down by the fire brigade as well. Um, so the lights would reflect. And I mean, that is one of the most successful bits of this movie is just how it all works with that cobblestone. It is and Oscar perfect. winning too, right? Because of the cinematography. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The only mm-hmm. there was a couple nominations, but that was the only one that had won. And, right. and rightfully so. Just incredible work. Oh, so good. Um, and of course, Carol Reed also used many local residents as extras, including our balloon man. Carol Reed was a hardworking director. He devoted as much time as humanly possible to be involved with as many aspects as possible. He had three separate film units working most days of production, which was a daytime unit, a nighttime unit, and a sewer unit. Again, I'm sure the same case with Ninja Turtles making of. But Reed insisted upon directing each unit, which resulted in him working 20-hour days. And he would become addicted to speed during the filming, which, ironically, Graham Greene had mocked producer David Oselznick about because he was addicted to speed. Orson Welles, he was supposed to arrive on set earlier, but instead he invaded production assistants and the assistant director by traveling throughout Europe. And as a result, Carol Reed had to film around him until he showed up. And by the time he made it to Vienna, he was two weeks late and he ultimately only did a week's worth of work on the film. Uh, Sounds right. (laughs) Yeah, sounds sounds like classic Orson Welles. Uh, He refused to do the sewer sequences, thinking he would catch a disease from shooting there. And as a result, a body double was used for about 85% of that sequence. And Orson Welles' close-ups were filmed in a studio at London Film Studios. And that's where you get some matte shots. You guys hear that? That sounds like some construction. There it is. And of course, because Orson Welles being Orson Welles and this being a good movie, everyone's like, he must have done everything. This guy's a genius. But come on, he barely showed up. He contributed some dialogue about some stomach problems. And then, of course, the cuckoo cockpit. That was him. He does get that. And he also had the idea for Lime's fingers coming out of the grate. But he actually wasn't in Vienna at the time of filming that scene. So those are actually the director's fingers. 
Yeah, they mentioned that I, I, I watched the uh, with your friend Peter Bogdanovich uh, yes. in, in, in the in the intro where he mentions that just very that he said, you know, apparently Orson Welles was asked, like, you know, did you have a big influence on this and so forth? And he's like, no, Kyle Reed was a really good director. Like, I didn't really have to give him much of anything. It just let him do his thing. So, like, it's that, I mean, his the, yeah, the impression yeah. was that, yeah, he just like, I mean, Kyle Reed's obviously a, a very, you know, not even just capable, but a very good director. So it's like, you know didn't didn't need that but i mean there's orson Welles's presence there obviously and i'm almost positive calvary was aware of or- orson Welles's work at that point so it's like oh, very much he was very yeah. much influenced by citizen right. kane and a lot of those right. those camera techniques had, had blown him away and changed his style um but yeah in the end orson Welles is on screen for about five minutes that's it but what a great five minutes and, and it really even Incredible. the way that he since him and joseph cotton had been acting together forever and all of their theatrical productions and movies just the the like overlapping like talking on everybody's each other's dialogue like that is a classic you know orson welles bit too so i think he added that as well and i think being comfortable acting with cotton but yeah really quick speaking of of wells and um the bogdanovich intro i love the two lines that he says that orson talked about this movie the one was he said black and white the actor's friend yeah (laughs) so good so true he does do a pretty good impression of him too he does like a slight impression of it the way he talks and and he says it right it's great uh bogdanovich right and then the other thing he said was he had asked him like you know were you did you think this was beneath you, this part? You know, because you're only in it for, as you said, five minutes. And he said, are you kidding me? This is like a classic star part. They talk about me for, you know, the first 60% of the movie. And then I show up and there's a big fanfare. He's like, of course I loved it. So yeah. good old Orson. Yes, that's the good old from that. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man just died. I will leave it at that. Uh, there's this, that scene where the, the soccer ball gets kicked and it, it bounces off. That was a fun time. Uh, they actually used a professional footballer for that scene because they needed the ball to hit its mark. As far as that ending goes that we all love, it was quite a quite some controversy behind that. Um, the, the the three heads of this, Graham Greene, Carol Reed, and David Oselznik, you know, they, they had ideas about this. And actually, Graham Greene, who usually would write depressing endings, he wanted the happy ending, wanting Holly and Anna to end up together and moving on to a happy life but oh selznick actually and carol reed honestly wanted the sad ending to be used and won out and green had later wrote quote one of the very few major disputes between carol reed and myself concerned the ending and he has been proved triumphantly right end quote hmm. and the american version actually differed from the uk edit with about 11 minutes cut from the running time and they replaced director reed's opening narration with joseph cotton actually and they got, got rid of Martin's implied alcoholism and any kind of rough edges were left on the cutting room floor. You know, I was going to note on, on the opening. At first, I thought that it was actually Major Calloway talking. But yeah. it is really just sort of like an unnamed, you know, Brit living in Vienna, fish out of water, so to speak. And yeah, you're right. It's, it's the director, Calloway, Reed, doing it. But he's not meant to be any sort of character, just sort of like a, a person telling the story of Harry yeah, just heads and Holly. Up. Here's the story of them and, and also yeah. Vienna, a little context for you and enjoy the film. Yeah. So, so yeah. conversational too. I love <laughs> I know we talked about the opening, but just so great conversational. And and that whole montage was really like a Scorsese, Wes Anderson. It's it's very like quick cut. All it's the so good. stuff happening in Vienna. It's so it, good. It just sets such a again. tone and it, it, it yeah. is, it's like a right tone. And the fact that it is the director doing the narration, it's like this guy really knew what it's he was really, doing. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's hard not to notice, as we mentioned, the Dutch angles. I mean, 
so feels weird. like you're watching Batman 66 over <laughs> here. You know, I, I tried I tried writing them down like every time there was one, and I, I got through like the the Holly and, and Trevor intro, Holly and, and Anna's dressing room, the when they go to Harry's apartment, um, looking out the window, then the doctor's apartment, and then I just started to get up. <laughs> it's so like it's happening. I was try yeah, and count them, but <laughs> That's quite much. a bit though, right off the bat. So yeah, we noticed this, and of course the crew also noticed, and they gave Reed a spirit level as a gift at the end of filming. You'd probably get sick of this because his friend also gave him one with the note, Carol, next time you make a picture, just put it on top of the camera, will you? Oh, those British jokes, yes. Gotta love them. And Selznick had also asked reviewers to refrain from giving away the ending of the movie, that Harry Lyme was still alive, but of course, critics being critics, they gave it away. Orson Welles is in the movie. Um, And like we said, this won the Academy Award for Best Cinematography and was nominated for the Best Director and Best Film Editing as well. And it was named Best Film at the 49 Cons Film Festival. Wow, yeah. Editing, too, I would say, yeah, that, I mean. Yeah. We just mentioned, like, even just with the opening, but the entire film. Best editing in my mind of that year, not knowing what else was up. (laughs) I would be curious to see what won, yeah. Dan, what won? In that, in 49? Yeah, what won for editing? Was it, yeah, I guess, was it 49 or the 50, 1950 Oscars? For 49 films, maybe? I, I forget how they did it back Yeah, then. I don't know the technicalities. So, 49 <laughs> can was... Well, not can. I'm sorry. Academy Awards. Oh, you oh you want Academy Awards. Okay. Yeah. Because they... It, it, won, it, it yeah. won con, yeah. And it won Best Cinematography, but was nominated for Best Film Editing. And Director. Lost. Yeah. And Who Director, those? but lost. So, Best Cinematography that year? No, it's King Solomon's Minds. What? What happened to our guy, Krasker? Oh, okay. No, I found it. I found 20, it. So, it should be the 23rd Academy Award, so, which so, is 50. So, so, no, so get this. So, so there's, there's an interesting reason why. So that, th- there's actually two categories at, at this time in, in history. There's Best Cinematography Black and White and Best Cinematography Color. Oh. So, so Best Cinematography Color that I actually had was, that was too. Third I just, Man. Was Third Man. It was Color? You mean Black and White? No, Black and White. That's what I'm saying. No, Black and White was was that and then caller was king solomon's mind that's, okay that's, so what one for editing that year that one actually was for best film editing that year as well it was king solomon's minds okay uh, and then th- who third, won director third man by the way for was up for running for best film of editing but didn't win yeah, yeah it only right. won for cinematography right uh i just want to mention that it was at least up for the running and what, what was the other category best director mm-hmm. yeah so best director was uh joseph mankowitz for all about eve uh, uh, oh, well, Cal, Cal Reed was again up for that, but did not win. All, all, and all about Eve won yeah. Best Picture. Yes. So that was Best Picture, Best Director. I mean, get this. I mean, Best Director, you've got Mankiewicz for All About Eve. You've got John Houston for Asphalt Jungle, uh, George wow. Cukor for Born Yesterday, and Billy Wilder for Sunset Boulevard and Cal Reed for Third Man. So <laughs> wow. that, that's that's a tough choice. You know what I mean? And, like, what, I, and what were the Best Pictures that year? Because this pictures, wasn't nominated for Best Picture, but this could be, but. Yeah, best pictures were all about Eve, Born Yesterday, yep. Father of the Bride, King Solomon's Mind, and uh, Sunset Boulevard. It's a pretty great year. Yeah, for classic Hollywood, and and all about Eve won. Yes, all about Eve won best screenplay as well, best supporting actor. I mean, it was like cleaning up. And um, as funny as Father of the Bride is, the original with Spencer mm-hmm. Tracy, I think we could safely respectfully maybe slide that one out of the nominees and put third man in there yeah. if, if we could rewrite history yeah I would which say so. we apparently cannot so 
it won all. It was a sweep, everybody. This is why you come to the show. You believe our facts. They won every Academy Award. It was nominated for, and plus ones it wasn't. It was amazing. Well, I appreciate the the um, acrobatics that I had to go through to use my my fact searching uh, ability. So I appreciate John for uh, really putting me to the test in this one. <laughs> I will say that. That's what um, I'm here for, right? I, I know, but I, I enjoyed that stuff. So I I enjoyed that I had to do that. So thank you. <laughs> That huge Ferris wheel, of course, during the Ferris wheel scene, um, it was erected in 1897, and actually Sigmund Freud had used it to induce seasickness in patients while experimenting with cocaine as a treatment. <laughs> almost got a spit take from John there. Wow. <laughs> almost. But, almost. Um, and then, of course, our musician, Anton Karas, um, Carol Reed had heard him at a production party, and he was like, I, I love this Austrian zither music. You got to come and you got to you got to come record some songs with me for this production. And later on, he was like, I want to use this for the whole movie. So you're going to come record the entire soundtrack, come out to London. You're going to love it. And one thing about him is he was very uh, homesick. He didn't want to he didn't really want success or to leave home at all. But this soundtrack became so huge in London. It really people were taken by the Zither music. The Harry Lime theme is huge. Um, it's a hit single, right? It, it was a um, dramatically hit single. And um, because the movie came out in the UK beforehand, when it was time to release it here, it was already a big hit. And they actually used it to promote the movie. It had the tagline, quote, featuring the famous Zither score by Anton Karas. He'll have you in a dither with his Zither. <laughs> <laughs> Could have written it better myself. Ah, so good. Yeah, so they really wanted to capitalize on this. And he had to tour for like a decade, but... He hated it. He just wanted to be back home and, and chilling with his zither, taking it easy. I, I hope he was able for, you know, touring all that time on this hit single, make some money, live comfortably. I actually, you know, I don't want to know if his story ended up sad. I hope, I hope he had a happy end. I didn't really see anything too, too much of a bummer. I mean, it was, it was brief. Like it, it, there's not really too much information about him. Like after, you know, like he, he toured, he was a huge sensation. Then he just tapped out once he was finally able to tap out. You know, I looked up, you know, is this available on vinyl anywhere? And no. apparently it is. There is an import that isn't that expensive, but apparently whoever put it out, they like just recorded from like a from like a DVD or or from a film strip. They didn't oh, actually wow. have the the actual files and the actual recordings. And apparently it's absolutely horrible. There's a bunch of dialogue in the movie, but mm -hmm. maybe too much because there's just that's how they know they got it from the actual film. Yeah. Because there's dialogue over the <laughs> Zither music all the time instead of just the isolated score. So um, I don't know. I know in our last, my last um, outing with you both, we talked about putting, you know, pulling our money and putting out the night of the hunter on something. Yeah. I don't know. We might need to put this uh, next in line to put out some uh, Karas Zither and use that same tagline from the American trailer. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we would definitely be the dither for that zither. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. I mean, even if you could find like the old single and just find some way to, you know, rip it and remaster it in some yeah. way. Yeah, we'll, we'll have something out hopefully by your next appearance. Exactly. Right. <laughs> there's, there's a lot in the in the cookie pot. But um, yeah, this movie also has two future M's in the James Bond films. Of course, you got Bernard Lee and Robert Brown. And they also have a brief appearance from Jeffrey Keene as a military policeman. And he would later play the minister for defense in the Roger Moore era. And also the production staff contains two future Bond directors, John Glenn and Guy Hamilton. 
Guy Hamilton, that's right. He was he was young, so I guess that he could still talk about the movie later on. But yeah, he, he was just he was an assistant director. Is that what you said? Yeah, he was really he yeah. had to deal with Orson Welles, like trying to find him and stuff like that. I mean, he, he earned himself a bond by the end of it, for sure. Assistant to the assistant. right? Exactly. But as far as director Carol Reed, he dabbled in film noir a few times. You get uh, 1947's Odd Man Out mm-hmm. and then one that also falls within our range. 1963's The Running Man, not to be confused with. The other running man, of course. Um, in 1952, he became only the second British film director to be knighted for his craft, and he would win an Academy Award for Best Director, finally, in 1968 for the musical Oliver, or Oliver! <laughs> Exclamation uh, point. Jim! Yes! <laughs> um, and then writer Graham Greene, he was a respected scribe who lived, lived quite an interesting life. He loved to travel, especially to remote places. Um, anywhere that would be exciting to him, that would usually be frightening to others. He would write travel books about his journeys. And it was because of this, a little bit of nepotism, that he would be recruited by MI6 in 1941 by his sister who worked there. Um, They would send him to Sierra Leone in uh, World War II. And his supervisor was Kim Philby, who would later be revealed to be a double agent for the Soviets. And a lot suspect was the reason that uh, why he had put uh, Green had put in his abrupt resignation from MI6 in 1944. And Green would base Harry Lyme on Philby, actually. And he wrote the introduction to his novel, My Silent War, in 1968. Wow. Feeling house vibrations over here. I, say, I, I hear some like, metal, metal machine music going on. Right wait, now, wait a second. Is this a go. Lou Reed record happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in 1957, just months after Fidel Castro had begun his revolutionary assault on the Batista regime in Cuba, Green actually played a small role in helping the revolutionaries. He was a secret courier transporting warm clothing to Castro's rebels who were hiding during the Cuban winter. Green always had a fascination with strong leaders, which led him to Castro, though he later would say, uh, I admire him for his courage and his efficiency, but I do question his authoritarianism. Why am I getting this? I'm slipping on this. I think you meant to say authority. That's yeah. Authority. Thank you. Yeah. So that was interesting. He knew Castro made his way there. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got for our the, fun facts. You know, I, I want to talk about um, Anna, played by uh, Va- uh, Valley. I forget her first name. Italian actress, right? Alida. Alida yeah. Valley. Yeah, she was great. First of all, she's yes. phenomenal. She's beautiful, excellent in the role. I yeah. had never really heard of her outside of this movie, but apparently, she was in a couple Argentos in the seventies. She was in Suspiria and yes. Inferno. Maybe I'm trying to think. I know she was in Suspiria, but I didn't realize I didn't connect them until I, I, I saw this again recently. So, yeah, shout out to her. She was excellent. Yeah, she had a very long career and, and rightfully so. She did a, a wonderful job in this. Ton of Italian jobs that she did, yes. <laughs> but not the Italian job, not not or its remake. But We could always deep fake her. It's not too late. <laughs> right. Thank God for technology. <laughs> All right, guys, but join us next week. We're going to get a little Edward G. Robinson in here. We're going to get some more metal grinding noises. It's 1955's Illegal. How does it feel to send a man to the chair? I didn't kill her. I loved her. You thought he was guilty. You know you did. 
When I walk into a courtroom, I've got to win. I've always had to win. That's right, Scott. You had a string of convictions as long as a thousand last miles. But there's always that first mistake. And you've made it. Now you're on the other side of the fence, twisting the law inside out against men who took over your job, but couldn't take over your skill. Because you know every trick in the book. You should. You were once the best district attorney in the state. Former district attorney, you have a pipeline into our office. You must have. One of our people's in your pocket, and the DA knows it. Was not your relationship with Victor Scott, who is here in court defending you today, so close that it continued even after your marriage to Ray Borden? Uh, yes. Wasn't that somewhat unusual for a married woman? Did you or did you not visit Victor Scott the day of the murder? You heard me. Lose the case. And lose it now. If the lead blows off, don't blame me. I don't blame people. I bury him. forward to finally getting into this one but john thanks for joining us as always looking forward to your return i wonder what it's going to be we hyped third band last time you got one in the pocket now or we'll wait and see i think i think we, we have to go big or go home right so we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see okay. but next time we'll have a foolproof coffin <laughs> oh that's the last line from callaway <laughs> and that's the last line from john uh <laughs> thanks for joining us everybody We'll be back again soon, but in the meantime, gentlemen, here's the crime. Here's the crime. It's a crime. Ready, no. <laughs>